Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A basketball tradition is established at K-State as the Wildcats become a new national basketball power. All 12,000 fans here at Bramlage Coliseum spilling out onto the court. A huge celebration as Kansas State, for the first time since 1983, has knocked off the Kansas Jayhawks in Manhattan. Bring on the podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Happy to have back today. Our guest is the sports editor at the Manhattan Mercury, Ryan Black. Ryan, how are you? Hey Luke, I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, a little bit, a little bit under the weather, but you know I'm living and breathing, making along, and I appreciate you having me on. And I understand you decided to stay in Texas for the two game road week, so I'm I'm hoping that that you're spending most of your time in Austin and not Waco. Uh, well, actually neither. Um, okay. Being someone who uh, I'm very logical and practical oriented, I tried to get kind of equidistant to both cities, so I'm actually staying in Temple. Okay. Well, there you go. Are you at least getting to enjoy some Texas barbecue while you're down there? Well, yes. Uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly when this is going up, but you know, as of me talking to you here on this, you know, on Monday I went to Miller's Smokehouse, which uh, okay. is in Belton, just down the road from my hotel, and and it's one of the places that was on the the most recent update of the Texas Monthly Top 50 barbecue joints in the state, and uh, it was. Very, very, very good. You know, they're one of these places that also has expanded beyond just barbecue. And the mother of the pit master <laughs> does her own from scratch desserts every day. And they've also got into doing like their own freshly brewed coffee. So it was very, very good. I have not tried the chocolate pie yet that I bought to go, but I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. It's been my nice. refrigerator. Smart man. Smart man. So let's go ahead and talk about the reason you're down there. Yeah, uh, Kansas State had the big win at Baylor on Saturday. They they get Texas on Tuesday. Hopefully, we'll get this podcast up before then. Just, I mean, obviously, you're around the team as much as anybody. What kind of confidence have you seen from this group with the, with this win streak right now? Well, I mean, you have to say, I mean, they're certainly playing with more confidence than at any time they have all season. Maybe outside of the the Virgin Islands tournament down there, the Paradise Jam. When, as you probably know, nobody from K-State on the beat went down there for that. And that was so long ago in a way that's almost ancient history. But, you know, I mean, you just look at it. I mean, an eight-game win streak in Big 12 play, which, as you probably know, 
the longest in the history of K-State uh, since yeah. the inception of the Big 12 yeah. and the longest in any conference for K-State since they won 11 straight in the Big 8 back in 1974. So, you know, they did have the, obviously the hiccup down in uh, College Station against Texas A&M in the you know, Big 12 SEC Challenge, which, uh, I mean, I know it's easy for some people to want to say they want to overlook it, but I do think, as you probably know, it, it, it would not help them very much when it comes to Selection <laughs> right. Sunday. You know, that, that right. loss and the Tulsa loss were not good. And honestly, Luke, you might disagree with this. In my opinion, the Tulsa loss was actually not as bad as the A&M loss. Do you, do you agree or not agree with that? Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. I, I almost feel like Texas A&M, just because they're a power conference team, even though it may not be correct, people assume that, that, that they're better than Tulsa. But... Well, the, here's the reason. I, here's the reason I say it, the worst loss to Texas A&M is because you know one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life was last season when uh, K State and Tulsa played in Wichita, <laughs> yeah. and so te- basically K State knew exactly what to expect yeah. in that game. They yeah. knew what Tulsa was going to do the entire time, <laughs> and they still looked completely unprepared and flummoxed by it. Whereas A and M. Okay, like you said, it is a Power 5 team, but they're a team that had lost 6 of 7 coming into it, had not been very competitive in quite a few of their losses. So I just feel like I understand, okay, the flip side is, okay, A&M got up for that game because they knew how K-State had been playing. But my thing is I just feel like that's a more defensible loss mainly, uh, you know, because, again, K-State should have known what was coming, uh, you know, against Tulsa, and they just – they yeah. didn't. But like I said, either, either way, they're both bad losses. That's fair. I'm just saying that fair. I personally think that the A- A&M, you know, w- would be the worst of the two. That's but like I said, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. I just hope they can beat Tulsa Manhattan next year. That would be... Well, oof. we'll see if they can get a point out of three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so, you know, I, I feel like the, the biggest part of this turnaround is, you know, the defense, to a certain extent, has been there all year long. It's kind of been the offense, and you can see that in the climb and the Ken Pong rankings and, and other things as well. Obviously, Dean Wade is a huge factor, but you know how much does his presence? How how does his presence help? And, and what have just been the keys to this more efficient offense for K State? Well, I'll be honest. I think you know it's funny because I, I was on a, a mon- Monday morning. I was on the Big Twelve uh, Series XM network, and I I talked with. Someone I know from USA Today, George Schroeder, and they had me on. They basically asked the same question. And my view of it is, you know, you expect, you know, Dean Wade, Barry Brown to roughly get, you know, right at maybe 20 points a night, you know, maybe a little bit less, but right at almost 20 points a night between themselves uh, each. And then you expect Cam Stokes to get maybe 10 to 15. But, you know, especially the difference in the latter half of this streak, the last four games in the win streak, is, you know, Cartier Jada c- coming alive. You know, as you probably know, mm-hmm. he scored 10-plus yeah. yeah. points, you know, in all those games. I mean, one being the A&M loss, but that's really the game in, in a way that really sparked this. And you've kind of seen how he just built on it from there. I mean, he has uh, the defining moment of the KU game with the windmill dunk, at, you know, toward the end. And then he has yeah. another just highlight real play Saturday at Baylor. And I really just feel like it's just basically you have the three senior leaders you expect to get theirs, so to speak, every yeah. game. Yeah. So it's really like who among K-State's other players is going to step up each game? Is it going to be Mike McGurl? Is it going to be Cardi? Is it going to be 
you know, Michael McQueen, if he can actually stay on the floor, <laughs> is it going to be Xavier Snead? Because, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of has done so many of the little things, but as you know, his, his scoring has kind of been so up and down so many times right. that you just really, to me, have no idea what you're going to get from Xavier each night. So, like I said, if you take away the three seniors, the, and, like I said, and the defense should be there just about every single game, it's which player outside of that, you know, senior trio is going to step up and get you the 10 to 15 points that really is probably going to put them over the top just about every game. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Cartier, and I want to talk about that because one of the interesting things is I believe in both those games he scored all of his points in the second half. So, I mean, is that him just saying, oh, I guess I need to step up here? Is he being hesitant before then, or what do you think is the, the reason for that? Well, hey, I'll call myself out on this. You know, I asked him that after the KU game, and he was like, well, if you remember, I picked up my second foul early in the first half, so I basically sat. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, oh, yes, you are right. Thank you for <laughs> calling me out and embarrassing me for being so stupid. But I do think it's like you said, partially, if you take that part out, it's that it takes him just a little bit of time to figure out the rhythm of the game and figure out exactly what the defense is doing. And, you know, hey – it just man, KU just must hate seeing him in the second half because that that was something. It was yeah. the last question to Bill Self in his press conference after the game. You know, I asked him like, "Hey, you know, you just absolutely just sung, you know, Cardi's praises after last year's game in Lawrence. You know, where he scored 16 of his 18 points in the second half in case they you know lost that game by one point." And I'm like, "It all did that cross your mind during during tonight's game?" And he's like, "I'll be honest, you know, Lawrence and last year's game was the last time of mine." But you are right. He certainly gave them a huge spark tonight. So it, it's just something about him. Like he just really seems to find his rhythm after halftime. And you know, the other thing he'll tell you, you know, he I think it was uh, maybe John Kurtz, you know, from K Man, who asked him this a few weeks ago, is if you remember, he he sat basically the majority of that huge second half comeback against West Virginia. Yeah. You know, and he said, you know, that was a great learning experience for him because he basically saw what he was doing wrong and why he wasn't playing enough, and. Uh, even this, you know, it's something else that, you know, and Bruce Weber is always very, 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 very protective of his players. Yeah. If you remember last season, you know, Cam Stokes got hurt with, with yeah. the foot injury and yeah. missed a good chunk of time. Then Cardi stepped in the starting lineup and played quite well for the majority of that. Well, then, you know, Cam comes back less than 100%. And then, you know, Cardi's trying to find his role. And, you know, Weber has kind of said that was part of what was maybe holding, you know, Jada back for a good bit of this early portion of the season was just like he got so used to playing starter-type minutes a good bit of last year, he was trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring that same intensity and make more with less in the time that I'm on the floor? And like, so certainly he seemed to have found that in the last four to five games. Yeah. yeah. So that maybe brings up a question, too. Uh, you know, I was thinking everybody likes to, to play these smaller lineups these days. and If Cartier is mm-hmm. having this resurgence, I mean, and well, let's assume McColl could stay on the floor for this question, but... What's K-State's best lineup? Is it the four guards plus Dean, or is it having the three and then, and then McCall and uh, Dean on the inside? So, wait, so who would be the one that would be that, that you'd be pulling out of the lineup? for? Probably Cartier, would, yeah, cause just because he's been the guy. Would it, would it be Xavier? Is that, who you're, is that who you're referencing? No, I mean, probably be Cartier, because he's been the guy starting on the bench, right? Most games. So. Well, I, I guess I just meant like if if you put him in back in the lineup, who would you be taking off? Oh. you're saying you would be taking off Mac? Or you yeah, be you'd be taking off, off Mac. Yeah, you'd be taking off Mac. Go small. Man, you know that uh, that certainly that certainly presents a very interesting possibility. Boy, man, you know, gosh, it, that's a great question. I guess I hadn't really thought about it before. I would tell you this. I just think I understand. You know, 
Weber's and the coaches have as a whole, you know, why they want to have Mac out there because you know yeah. you want a little bit more size. It allows maybe Dean not have to have to bang necessarily with the biggest player on, on another team. But man, you know, like I said, he he does get in constant foul trouble, mm-hmm. and his bright spots have kind of been few and far between outside of playing at the at Sprint Center, which seems to be basically his home of playing well. <laughs> that you know, I guess it would be interesting to see if the Wildcats ever would be willing to go to that kind of lineup. But I do get the sense that given that they're this far into the season, barring an in- injury to uh, to to Mac, I I just yeah. I don't see them going to that as fascinating. Fascinating as it is to ponder that that potential kind of lineup yeah. with yeah. with Cardi in it, and I, I think to some extent it would probably depend on matchups. Like for instance, Tuesday's game against yeah. Texas, you probably don't want to play four guards against them because they've got a lot of size. Oh. And yes, pretty athletic team. So yeah. exactly, we'll see how that goes. And so one thing I did want to talk about with the defense, uh, to just to switch gears here a little bit. You know they've been solid and last year. Uh, sorry, they've been very good. And last year they were they were pretty good too. But a huge difference. And I looked at the stats uh, this last week. Is you know last year they were dead last in defensive rebound percentage. This year they are not just leading the league, but leading the league by a wide margin. I think they might even be top ten in the country. I couldn't find a reliable statistic for that. But what's the difference between basically the same guys plus a little bit of Austin Trice? You know why is the defensive rebound so much better? You know, it's it's funny you bring that up just because it is a pop. It's been a popular question of the team this year, and and certainly if if you had asked us at the outset of the season and you had told me, okay, you know, fifteen twenty games into the year, K State's going to have improved by leaps and bounds rebounding the ball, I would say, well, Austin Trice is doing exactly what they brought him in to do, <laughs> and as you're kind of bringing up. You know, Trice has been kind of a non-entity in a lot of games, in a lot of games, where he basically gets single-digit minutes. And, you know, you just ask the players, you ask Weber, and and I know maybe it sounds obvious, but it's just that they've gotten a lot more committed to rebounding. I I know it doesn't seem like that's something that should be, like you have to drill into guys, right? But they just, for one reason or another, last year did not have a lot of intensity crashing the boards. And this year they're they're doing that like amazingly well because heck I mean look at it you know Dean is the team's leading rebounder per game yeah. uh, but even with him out they were out rebounding teams and that's where you know X stepped up and and kind of took on that role of being the guy that hey when they need someone to clean up the glass with Dean out he's going to do it and, and the same goes for the guards you know they whether it's Kamal Stokes whether it's Barry Brown McGurl or Cardi you know they all say hey. The coaching staff has got on us about, hey, crash the board. You know, get inside there. It doesn't matter if you're small. Go go there and try to do what you can. Heck, as you probably know, uh, in, in Saturday's win at Baylor, Cam had uh, six rebounds. You know, there's been games Barry's had five or six. So, again, it's just a, a renewed commitment to rebounding. And as you said, it is it is pretty remarkable when you look at the year-over-year improvement. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah. And so, on that note, I mean, if somebody wanted to find something to complain about, they might say – Hey, they can be this good on defensive rebounding. Why are their offensive rebounding numbers still good? Is that more of a just that there's not a commitment there because they want to get back on defense and, and stop transition points, or is there anything else there? You know, I think that's. I mean, I would probably say kind of your first point there. I do think that's kind of being a little bit nitpicky right. because I mean, I do think they are so big about getting back in transition and limiting opponents in that regard. I mean, I know, like, maybe in a way, people say well, that sounds like an excuse. 
but I, I do think like you're like you're getting at is getting back and getting set up defensively is such a key component of this team. I would not. I mean, I, I would say that's a pretty fair point to say why you know the offense rebound numbers aren't quite as impressive as as they are on the defensive end. Yeah. And so then the last thing with the K State defense, I want to ask you straight up is at this point in the season, which defense do you like better, Kansas State or Texas Tech? Oh man. Uh, well, uh, I mean, here, here, here's. I know maybe it sounds like a cop out answer, Luke, and I, and I apologize <laughs> to say this. I just see K State on a regular basis, right? And seeing the way they just choke so many opponents, it is hard to, to not say K State. Uh, like I and I would probably tell you the opposite if I was on the Texas <laughs> Tech beat. Like I could see the Red Raiders yeah. every single day. And so I just have so much more familiarity with what K-State does that I'd have to say K-State. That being said, you know, obviously Texas Tech is an amazing defensive team. And at least in the games prior to this season, West Virginia had been an amazing defensive team that I'd been able to see. And I'll tell you this, and it kind of veers off a smidgen from your question. I think it to me it puts – it puts it, 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 it into even a greater – achievement is what Marcus Howard did against K-State's defense. Yeah. I mean, for one guy to score 45 against them, it's kind of mind-blowing, really, yeah. when you see how some teams struggle to even get to the 50-point mark against K-State, and you have one guy that went off for 45. It is still a little bit hard to believe that that happened. Yeah, that, that dude is special. Like, first-team yes, all no question. special. So, Although I do like to, to point out that, I mean, not like he was being shut out, but Barry was at least doing a decent job on him before there was that questionable call in the technical that sort of changed Kansas State's defensive game plan against Marcus Howard. Who knows what would have happened? But at the same and time, I, he was hitting well, shots hey, that were unguardable. Thank you for bringing that up because I probably should have mentioned that. But like you said, the quick foul and then the technical following it kind of completely changed the, the flow of the game for K-State defensively. No question mm-hmm. about that. I mean, because you're taking yeah. out far and away K-State's best on-ball defender in Brown. And then like you said, after that, yeah, I mean, they just had yeah. no answer for Howard mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And, and who was, knows? I mean, here's the thing: is he might have still scored a lot because I mean, yeah. he was just shooting the ball unconscious. Oh yeah, but it would have probably been a lot tougher had Barry been able to play more minutes. There's no question about right. that. Now, he definitely hit some unguardable shots. So. Oh yeah, yeah. But okay, so you know, we talked about this case head success and how well they're doing. Maybe a question is: how much goodwill has this earned Bruce Weber? Uh, you know, at this point from the fan base, do you think? Well, I mean, dang. I mean, you have to think that, as you know, man, he, he was just a shining beacon, you know, coming off the Elite Eight run. And, and, you know, I went to so many of these catbacker tour events, and he was getting standing ovations. And, and as you know, I mean, he's such a, a media-friendly, he's such a people-friendly person that I think people already want to like him. But, you know, part of the problem, as you know, is just, that, man, you know, when you share the same state with a program like KU mm-hmm. and you constantly have to hear about how many national titles and how many consecutive conference titles, how many NBA players they have, it's like you always want to have, you have to constantly judge yourself against that. And that's a very tough standard to live up to. But wow, it, you know, I mean, I know that they, you know, K-State went through a small Rough patch, you know, certainly the, 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 the two-game losing streak to start Big 12 play, almost turning into three if not for the, you know, the record-setting <laughs> yeah. comeback against West Virginia. But, man, you know, if K-State holds on to this lead and they end up, you know, being the team that ends the streak uh, of KU's consecutive Big 12 titles, regular season titles, 
I mean, geez, what 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 more could you ask for if you're if the K State fan base from Bruce Weber? Uh, I mean, I guess what the one more step is to go go to the Final Four. Yeah, uh, yeah which I, I guess, guess so. is a very fair expectation. I mean, they finished one game short of it last year. They brought back every key piece. I don't think that's an unfair expectation, but man, yeah. if you at least in K KU streak, I'd say that's a pretty phenomenal yeah. accomplishment because so many teams have tried for so many years to do it and have not been able to. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, uh, I mean, heck, I, I don't really feel like outside of made the Final Four or beyond that that really Bruce Weber's approval rating could go any higher in Manhattan than it is right now. Yeah, yeah. And so then I guess that the follow-up to that is, and I know just from our comment section that, that there are still people waiting for Bruce to fail and they're going to be all over him if it happens. But with the average fan, you know, if he has a poor end to the season, you know, doesn't win the Big 12 – or an early tournament exit, how do you think that'll affect the status with the average case they've been? Oh, man. And that is a loaded question, right? Yeah. I mean, I will tell you this. I think, I'll be honest, I would say, and I'm going to split this into two answers, okay? Mm-hmm. I would say that an early tournament exit in the NCAA tournament would be more forgivable just because of just how ridiculous the tournament is, right? I mean, right. you play a team, whether it's from a big conference or not, that just gets hot beyond the arc. And they just they shoot they shoot lights out and that's it. It means one and done. You know, it's not the NBA. You don't get four <laughs> chances to, to, to kind of avenge your loss. I mean, you get one game in the NCAA tournament. Heck, ask KU how many times they've been beaten by these small conference teams. Yeah, you know, that's just true. <laughs> I love asking the KU that. KU fans about that. So, so, so that's my thing is I would say that's a lot more defensible for yeah. K State if they yeah. just they get to the tournament, they get a bad draw, or like I said, they just get a team that comes in the first or second round. And they just shoot the lights out. And you just say, well, I mean, that's just the nature of the NCAA tournament. But right now, I would say if they have a really bad finish to the Big 12 schedule, that would be a lot harder to stomach for, for the K-State fan base, especially because, hey, you just ripped off this eight-game win streak that you're still in the middle of in conference play. And I just feel like people are, are trying to get not, not get overly optimistic just yet because, you know, hey, there's still a lot of games right. left. There's a lot of right. games left in the conference schedule. But, man, you know, to be maybe trending toward potentially winning the conference title and then to maybe have a disappointing finish, you know, that, that would – I don't want to say it's obviously going to turn the heat up on him, like in terms of like actually losing his job. Right. But I think right. it would it would just – it would be very a hard pill to swallow for the K-State fan base. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I guess you're right. There are always going to be those people, like talking about the comment section, they're just waiting for it. They're just waiting for it. They're like, okay, good times will never last here at K-State under Bruce Weber. And they're not going to – you know. But I just feel like – and you can disagree with any of the, anything I just said. But that's my opinion of, of the matter is that, like I said, an early NCAA tournament exit would not be as damaging as a bad finish to the Big 12. I, I hope you're right because that would that would mean our fans are more intelligent. We'll, we'll see. I'm a little skeptical. But – well, <laughs> I guess we will, you know, we will definitely. Yeah, but, but I, and I should add, though, you know, you said long way to go. And just tonight, I mean, Baylor, obviously, Makai Mason was not himself. He shot 2 of 14. They didn't have Kane McClure back. They still beat Oklahoma. Kansas almost choked another one away on the road, but came back to beat TCU. So K-State's going to have to earn it. You know, he's <laughs> There, there's no question about that. And, you know, here, here's here's the other thing, you know, which I guess on top of all this, you know, Luke, that would make it probably even e- even more difficult, as if it wouldn't already be difficult enough, is – and you've been around, obviously, the Big 12 and K-State and this Sunflower Showdown rivalry so much longer than I have. 
But this has to be as vulnerable as KU has ever been during the midst of the streak, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, Udoka's out for the season. Obviously, the Sylvia D'Souza thing has finally played out. And they have, you know, Garrett had been hurt. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, LeGerald Vick's away from the team for now. Right. So it's just like, if not now, then when? If not now, when is someone finally going to knock off KU, right? I mean, because this yeah. – this it has to be the most vulnerable they've been during during this streak, right? I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, last year they were fairly vulnerable, and just everybody else lost seven games. <laughs> but I, I think and, even and more Evans so than got hurt in that kind of torpedo yeah, Texas Tech. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah. that's all I'm saying is if somehow this hobbled shell of itself KU team somehow still does something and wins the conference. <laughs> I mean, then I could say, wow, you know, I, I guess they're just, they're never going to lose. They're going to win it until all, basically the end of time and, you know, the apocalypse happens. It's, they're just not never going to lose the Big 12. So, I mean, like I said, I'm just saying that they would compound K-State's pain if that happens while, you know, right now they're in control of the conference. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sorry I kind of extended that. But that, um, that's what yeah. I'm just saying that you have to put it in the context of also – this the streak that they're trying to end right. in terms of right. 12 regular season time. And just to add to that, I mean, on last week's podcast, I, I said if KU loses at Kansas State and at TCU, then I, I, would, I would declare the streak over. So KU was, you know, trending towards a loss, and I, I was about to go on Twitter and tweet this over, but then they, they somehow pulled it out. So, And I know some people would have still said that's, that's too early to say that, but, you know, KU's going to find a way. That's what they do. But... No, they are they are they are a resilient team. No question about that. Let me ask you this real quick, just because I, he got so much hate for this when he tweeted out last year, and I hope this doesn't get me in hot water with K State fans. But do you remember, like John Kurtz tweeted this out? I think it was maybe right after KU clinched the regular season title last year, uh-huh. and Kurtz literally tweeted, "Whenever he retires, they should name like the Big Twelve Coach of the Year award after Bill Self." I mean, that's. Makes me a little uncomfortable as a K State fan to see a fellow K State fan saying that. To be honest, like objectively, maybe that's that's fair, but I don't know. It just seems like that shouldn't. Well, needless to say, I mean, obviously, <laughs> a lot of his his followers gave him a lot yeah. of grief. So yeah. if that makes you feel any better about the K State fan, yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm I'm a K State fan who went to Mizzou, so my hatred for KU runs deep. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you got it from both sides. Huh? Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, so we'll we'll leave it there with basketball. I, I did want to talk to you just real quick about football. Chris Kleiman sure. brought in his first reason. And before we get into that, we haven't talked to you since football season. I want to commend you for, you know, of course, you were the one that, that broke the news on Chris Kleiman being the coach. There were a lot of rumors flying around, but, you know, you were the one that, that, that got it right first. Well, so. let me, let me, I'm sorry, let me correct this real quick. I, oh. I wish I could take credit for that. I actually <laughs> broke the story of, of Snyder's retirement. Or Snyder retirement, yeah, I'm the, sorry. I'm sorry. The climate hire was actually broken right. by, I believe, Bruce Feldman. You're right. Actually, on, and the Snyder retiring, honestly, was the bigger story, in my opinion. So. Well, I, I agree mainly just because of, <laughs> he's such a, I mean, like I said, he transcends basically college football. I mean, he's such right. a big name that, right. and, and you know, Luke, I'll say this, while my name is attached to it, you know, there's a lot of people that help out with something like that. And mm-hmm. what meant a lot to me was that it was people citing the Manhattan Mercury and, yeah. you know, the sense that, hey, I mean, we're going against all these national guys. We're going against the KC Star, Wichita Eagle, and just places that have so many more resources than what Manhattan Mercury does. Yeah. So to see, you know, that we got put on ESPN and ESPN right. broke in the middle of their 
college football playoff ranking show because of course you know that was the day of the final mm-hmm. rankings for the football mm-hmm. playoff they they finalized that day to see them uh, come on screen have the manhattan mercury on there and say they broke the story of Snyder's retirement i uh, mean the world to me like yeah. I said, my name wasn't on it on the screen but it just it at least i think shows that you know small town journalism is not dead no and like i said we might be quote unquote a small paper but i don't view us as such in terms of right. like hey we have to compete against the other bigger outlets on our beat along with like i said all the people we were trying to beat for the snyder scoop as well as you know his replacement being chris Kleiman. Right. and we were very close to breaking that i don't want to go into a lot of details but i just mm. i was mm. not comfortable enough to run to run with what we had at the time but unfortunately exactly what feldman got uh was exactly what we had and i just i didn't feel like yeah the source <laughs> that we had for it was close enough to the situation to go ahead and run with it. But heck, of mm-hmm. course I see when Feldman got it, I was like, well, heck, I guess we should have <laughs> run with it. But you understand yeah, Luke, yeah, it's tough. I didn't go too far down this rabbit hole, but my, this will be the last thing I say on it is my feeling partially was, okay, we broke the Snyder retirement story. If we try to break this story about his replacement and we're wrong, then we're going to give back a lot of the goodwill we've just built up. And right. people are gonna be like, Oh, the Manhattan Mercury is just trying to tweet out and send out anything they can to break news. Even if they're not sure if it's right. So that was part of my my reticence in going forward with the climbing thing, even though we had a source telling us, hey, Gene Taylor's gone to the athletics board and got approval to uh, hire climbing. I just didn't feel our source was close enough to the situation uh, to run with it. And of course, like I said, we should have, but hey, it is what it is. You know, we got the Snyder thing, and that's that's good enough for me. Yeah, for sure. And you know, as a journalist myself, I I can appreciate that. You know, sometimes what, what nothing frustrates me more than, you know, someone coming out and breaking that big story and then being wrong. So, yeah, you know, better to be safe than sorry. That is exactly right. That is exactly No, like, well, heck, I mean, heck, you know, look what happened with, with Arnie Green. Through no fault of his own, uh, another paper in the gatehouse chain, you know, posted his story about – and he ended up obviously being right yeah, in a way yeah. about Snyder retiring. Right. But obviously he had not given his official word to K-State <laughs> at that time. Right. And, you know, Arnie ends up looking like the bad guy when he was not even the person who yeah. posted it. That, was that was paper. Like a, it was another paper in the gatehouse chain yeah, that, that had access issue. to the store yeah. and they run with it. So yeah, That was unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But anyway, back to recruiting. Yeah. Um, just, I guess just, just real quick, what's your overall take on, on Clemson's recruitment? And I think we all understand there were a lot of challenges him coming in so late. And let's be honest, Bill Snyder and his staff not having a great start on things. Um, how do you think he did overall? Well, I mean, I, I don't see how you know how anyone who's a reasonable person, uh, who's a K State fan, could have any problem with what they did. I mean, exactly because of what you're saying. I mean, they had less than two months, <laughs> less than two months to put this together. While, oh, by the way, continuing to game plan during the middle <laughs> of you know the FCS playoff from North mm-hmm. Dakota State. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just don't understand if you have a if you have any issue with K State's recruiting class. What more could you really have expected in such a short time span? And as you also mentioned, thank you, that certainly Bill Snyder was not super into recruiting. So, you know, K-State was not, has not been in on these big, big, big name players. And, and you know, maybe if you got a recruiting guy on here who's much more of an expert in it than I, maybe they will tell you differently. But I at least feel like because of the nature of this staff, there's a lot of younger guys, a lot of go-getters. You know, K-State's going to start getting into homes that they didn't get into in the past 
not through any fault really of Bill Snyder's own, but mainly just because he didn't place an emphasis on recruiting. Yeah. And that being said, Luke, I'm not sitting here and saying that K-State's now going to be recruiting with Ohio State and Alabama and, and et cetera, but I'm saying I, w- I would bet now you're going to start seeing K-State you know, land some four-star guys. You know, the five-star stuff, that's a little bit pie in the sky, a little bit tough to expect. But I'm just going to say I would bet that K-State's football recruiting going forward, as long as Chris Kleiman is the coach, will be better than it ever has in terms of – because I understand, Luke, because there are people that say, well, hey, at the end of the day, recruiting doesn't matter, right? It doesn't really matter because once they get here, they, they have to actually produce. I'm just saying in terms of where they finish in the class rankings, I bet K-State starts finishing a lot higher than they ever did during the Bill Snyder second stint. Yeah, uh, I, I hope you're right. And I'm sure we'll go more in depth on that in a later podcast. But, mm-hmm. um, for now, I, I did have a question just sure. for, for you, though. You're coming from SEC country. You covered Alabama or Auburn, sorry. You covered, yeah, covered Auburn. I went to school at Georgia and covered, covered them while I was in college. Right. So, I mean, is it kind of jarring to see that the lack of focus on recruiting from, I mean, not just the coaches, but even the, the fan base isn't obsessed with recruiting necessarily? Is that weird? Yeah, I mean, mainly, mainly because, like you said, it's just it's like the lifeblood of, of all of these SEC programs that I've been around, and so it, it, it is different. And I, I guess I do understand part of it, Luke, is that. And I know maybe there are people that maybe after they listen to this, they're going to get in the comments and just blast me for <laughs> it. But I mean, it's just the truth that obviously the state of Kansas does not have the kind of in-state talent year in and year out that a Georgia or a Florida. Or even to a lesser extent, Louisiana or Alabama would, you know, and that's just the truth. So it's just a much more competitive market for players, you know, down in the southeast, especially in Florida and Georgia. And, you know, I just I do think that's going to start changing for K-State. I mean, like I don't think there's ever going to be the emphasis on it, like you said, there is in some of these SEC schools. But that's just that's just the nature of the beast. You know, that that's just that's just how it is at those schools. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your coverage of Kansas State, and we appreciate you coming on the podcast, Ryan. Well, hey, Luke, I, I appreciate you guys being patient with me, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be on, and I look forward to, to, to doing it again in the future. Yeah, and uh, so we know people can read your stuff on, on the Mercury's website, and your Twitter is it's Ryan A. Black, is that right? It's Ryan A. Black, yes, sir. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you, Luke. Luke Thompson. So, yeah.